0: Hello and welcome to the strength to be human podcast with your host, author and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In our fourth year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Another interview segment, and as I always say, I know you're probably tired of hearing it at this point, it's difficult to get folks to interview. I mean, between the pandemic, uh, inflation, people's schedules, work, illness, uh, you name it. It's not an easy thing. So whenever we can get a hold of somebody, then we're excited to be able to do that. So we got a wonderful guest here. His name is S.G. Ellerhoff. Okay, he has a Ph.D. in English from the Trinity College, Dublin, which is pretty awesome. He's the editor of Tsunami Press. He's also the author of of Mole and uh, Post-Youngian Psychology and Short Stories of Ray Bradbury and Kirk Vonnegut, which, by the way, the title of this book is longer than most of the poems that I published in Aerial Chart. So God bless this guy, okay? He's been published all over the place, particularly with me and, and Grand Falloon in, in Canada, which, is, to me right now, that it's not even two years old, and, and that thing ought to get like a Nobel Prize in terms of the – The quality of the the work and and how supportive the editors are and actually how communicative they are. You know how hard it is for an editor to even talk to you these days or send you something? They don't even have enough time to say something mean, let alone something wonderful. So those people are great and uh, it's it's an experience that you're normally not going to have out there. So God bless them. Uh, They actually turned me on to this fellow, which... I read the magazine because they publish me for full disclosure purposes. And I always saw somebody that I, I like to interview them. a wow, while this is interesting work. But it's not like everybody has their, their email address or even a link to to reach them. So, you know, you, you really can't do a whole lot of that unless you're going to bug the editor every time that happens about. So sometimes I just let him bug me because at least he can give me the information to, to get a hold of person. I got a hold of uh, Steve here. That's the name his mom gave him anyway. But, um. Yeah, see Allah and uh, we we were able to finally put this together. So thank you very much, Steve, for being on the show.
1: Ah, uh, thank you for having me on and thank you for the warm introduction.
0: I try. <laughs> yeah,
1: and you know, and uh and shout out to Grand Falloon. Um absolutely. We are both members of the Grand Falloon Carass, uh, to borrow a Vonnegut word. Um yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. Like you said, two years in, and just the things they're doing, you know, a full color publication, they post it online as well as do print copies. They they're doing everything right.
0: They even, I know this sounds corny, people, and I don't care, okay, but they actually even give you a bookmark and a refrigerator magnet. I can't even make this up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I know it's um. It's really amazing. Are, I'm so impressed with what they're doing, and I'm so, um, I don't know, it's such a relief to uh, find some editors who, as you say, are so supportive. It's its extremely uncommon.
0: Sorry, I wish there was a standard out there, but it's not. What we're talking about, and probably what we're raving about here, is is, I'm sorry to say, the exception and not the rule.
1: Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. But I have i don't know. I've just had fun watching that publication um, go in different directions. Um, it's not afraid to be edgy. Um, I've enjoyed, you know, the pieces that you've put in as well. It's it's great. It's a great uh, zine, as they call it.
0: Yeah, I keep wishing them the, the best of everything. And I even send them a couple of people their way. I thought were really wonderful writers and they wind up taking them. So that's great. Cause I don't do that often because you know, in the end it's also about your name and you know, your judgment too. You don't want people questioning that if they're like, really, I'm glad you like this person, but I hate them. So thank God <laughs> they, they love the people I sent, but I, I try not to be, I try not to do that too often. You know, I really don't want to yeah. do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 I totally, I get it. I get it. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's funny, I found out about them, uh, through Twitter, actually, uh, because they got featured on, uh, the account of Duotrope. Are you familiar with Duotrope? Have you ever
0: I, dabbled I, with Duotrope? I, I, am, I am, but I think I, I got a hold of them through that, um, um, the, my bigger things, uh, where it just gives you all the vi- various magazines that do fiction, everything from 50 years oh, nice. down to 3,000. That's how I noticed them, and that was a couple of years ago, and, um. Uh, I was beyond shocked to get, um, uh, I don't know, like a page. I swear to God, this guy, he wrote <laughs> more stuff about me in one page than i probably gotten written about in like 20 years of writing. And I've been writing for over 30. I mean, if I was yeah. all the good and bad marks together, I wouldn't even add up to what this guy wrote just in one sitting. So I was like, you got to be. Yeah, You know. And yeah, yeah. And he's from Canada as well. And they're not always the friendliest people where it concerns Americans. So I was like, oh, my God, and they're open-minded too. <laughs> You know, not been up on Canada. <laughs> just I've had some rough experiences. <laughs> oh
1: right. Oh no, that's funny. Um, yeah, they've been, they've, you know, it was uh, it it was a real surprise hearing that I had a story accepted from them. Um, especially I had sent in a story, the one that came out in the newest issue, the fall issue, and it it's a story that had been rejected like 70 times or something. And and some editors actually had um, taken time to sit down and tell me I was a horrible human being for writing it. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) so, um, so then when I, I got the acceptance email, I was on my lunch break. I, I work at a bookstore and uh, I had, I had this acceptance email and I would, I thought it was a prank. I thought it was a joke. Um, But they were like, no, no, we really want it. So, um, yeah. Um, they're willing to take chances that other places just don't seem to be.
0: And those chances, are, are, I really think, are necessary. I'll give you an example, okay? Steve writes this piece. It, it's uh, to, to put it in a, in a nutshell, like a, a take on gun control and school shootings, okay? I mean, and as you can probably imagine, you know, if you go in, in outside the box and that, you know, it could be a it could be a little rough for people to handle. But it isn't anything that I would consider like. You know, against public safety or, you know, nobody's sacrificing babies to Satan, okay? So there's no reason to lose your <laughs> mind over here, okay? There really isn't, you know? And um, I, so I can, I, I can see how that can happen. I wrote, um, I would consider it like a microfiction piece. I, I swear to God, all, all that happened in this microfiction piece is the guy gets off from a rough, rough day. He sits at a diner and he finds that he finds comfort from looking at a waitress's butt. That's it. He don't mention anything sexual. He doesn't mention anything other than that. And I literally got men editors saying, oh, my God, that's incredibly sexist. What a nauseous weirdo you are and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, really? You're going to tell me a straight guy doesn't do this? And and, and you pop? they probably have other thoughts in his head than I even wrote in the piece. I mean, I kept it very PG. In fact, I don't even think it was PG. It was more like G. I'm serious. I got like the most ridiculous hate mail on this thing, so so a, a woman finally a woman finally published it, right? And she sent me a note, <laughs> almost like she knew my mind. She sent me a note saying, "I don't really find this against what I believe is is counter feminism." I'm like, "Oh, thank God, thank you."
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's so funny. Just the um, we write a, we write a piece, you know, we write something and. Um, and we bring to it what we bring to it but then um, when it when it has its chance to go out and meet editors and and whoever else is reading uh, the slush pile if you're me um then those people bring what they bring to it as well and so, and that can be i mean you know it can it can span the gamut and you never know who that person's going to be you never know what they had for breakfast that day um, we don't know what they're dealing with themselves, and um, it's just it, it it there's no way to gauge how exactly it's going to land with anybody. So it's I find that to be kind of an exciting thing about uh, about literature about stories, right?
0: And, and I and I totally agree. I think it's hard. Not necessarily for the readers. We, we we actually I don't think we give readers enough credit, and that's a real problem. It's a hard for the editors because for some reason they don't know how. And I don't say you should you, you should somehow strike down your own taste. You, you got your own taste, and that's fine. But their own worldview, they don't seem to know how to put that aside in order to get something published. Because oh my god, it, it rubs me the wrong way. I mean, big deal. I tell people just yeah. don't put, I tell people don't be graphic. Okay, and, and don't be unnecessarily violent. Other than that, I, I, I look at anything. I had some guy, he wrote a couple of poems where he's pretty much saying that um, through through the democratic process, he, he wants somebody in his town to to become a mayor who is almost like a communist from what he's describing in the poem. Okay. And I, yeah, and I, and he's like, are you going to be okay with that? Because I know you're Americans. And I'm like, hey, I'm not all for this communist mayor thing, Okay. But it's a good poem. There's nothing wrong for you having that expression. <laughs> you live in that community. Why? I mean, isn't democracy about choosing the government you feel most comfortable with? So if that's the government you want to choose, and you want them to knock on your door, you know, three times at night because they want taxes and they want to beat up your wife or something, that's up to you. But if that's what you choose, that's what you choose. You know, and, and that's it. And I published that because it was good. It's good work. Now, it doesn't mean yeah. I, I have to adopt the the, the world view of it, and it also doesn't mean that I need to be writing on my on my journal. And none of these views are expressed from Mark Anthony Rothschild. No, that's just dumb, cowardly <laughs> crap. I mean, I'm an artist. You're an artist. We're all going to take this in tongue-in-cheek to a certain extent, and if we don't, that's fine then. Let him have his communist mayor, okay? Which probably is not going to be any better than the corrupt one I got now, you know? So, whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, and it's a very uh, democratic thing to have a freedom of of expression and art, especially. Um, I I try to keep that in mind.
0: Yeah, I mean, I said as long as you don't don't have some violent overthrow of the government type of piece, which I'm not going to sponsor because terrorism is wrong, no matter how you do it. I'm I'm okay with it. Just go with it, you know. That's that's what you got to do.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I. I think a lot of it comes back to what you said about trusting readers and given giving readers more um, uh, faith because, uh, I mean, they can make up their own minds and they're going to. That's what they do. Um, You know, I I get a lot of that now. My background is largely academic, but uh, I'm no longer an academic. I'm no longer teaching at the college level or anything. So I am working in a a bookstore. And so I'm dealing with readers every day and it's wonderful just getting into conversations with them and listening to them, uh, finding out what they like, what books they are excited about, you know, um, that the readers can make up their own minds.
0: And it's a real, it's a real problem right now. I'm trying to get a, a book out. I did about, um, a soldier in during cold war in this case, an airman, but you still call him soldier for the vernacular who, um, who's in the intelligence field, but has to deal with mental illness that's creeping up on him. And so, it, Oh wow. Yeah. It's almost like you're having some kind of like, you know, semi James Bond who has mental illness and trying to use that to his best of his ability, not telling the authorities cause they'll put him in jail immediately for that sort of thing. Cause you know, if you're a bit off that way, you're, you're almost like a criminal to these people. And, um, you would not believe how many uh, how many agents I got to that. Some of them have been good about making comments of what that could be useful. Others, it's like, you know, I'm not down with the military stuff. I'm not down with anything violent. Oh, yeah, I, I know it says all across my uh, description that we're okay with mental illness stuff, but not this mental illness. God forbid he has a gun and wants to do anything good for his country. So that means that you got these people who are essentially gatekeepers, that they're keeping an the audience from from some kind of work like that just because they don't politically you know believe in it or, or maybe it's gonna i don't know hurt their standing at the the i don't know what the coffee shop or something it's just, <laughs> it's, just ama- it's just amazing by that way but it's just it's a little disconcerting you gotta keep with it until you find somebody and that that's what i've been doing and, and i'm okay with doing that but um some of the objections are a little a little idiotic
1: yeah yeah i i, I don't know it uh there is there does seem to be a uh an attitude of taste making uh, in certain publications and you know um whatever if the editors view themselves as tastemakers that's fine um but um but it, i don't know at the same at the same time you can pick up all kinds of things, rifle through them, see all kinds of things going on that's getting published. And, and, um, and that's great too. It's just, it's, it's tricky. I found it's really tricky finding homes, especially for stories that are just a little bit off the beaten path or just like have a twist on something that is seen as really relevant these days. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would think a, a novel about dealing with, the, you know, mental health and the military, I would think that something like that would – there's got to be somebody out there. Some agent is listening to this who's like, oh, yeah, where, I've been looking for that.
0: You well, know, you got to hope. I just, you know, I keep out there. i got, I got somebody in Paris right now looking at it. They wanted to see the whole book, which is always a good sign, but you don't know what's going to happen after that. And you just keep sending out, uh, you know, various queries and stuff like that, and you, you see what's going to go on, but – you just don't know. I'm sure eventually when this lands someplace, it'll be beyond what I even could have figured out would have happened. It's hard to, to guess because you got so many people involved and it's, it's what I always tell my uh, my, my children. I, I go, if you're in charge of something, the first thing you have to make sure that you're doing on a regular basis is that you're not abusing your authority because the moment you do that, you, you're no longer in charge of something. You're actually trying to control literally the the result and, and everything that goes on in that. And you can't do that because that's how you poison things. I, I remember yeah. that, that funny line from one of those exorcist movies when the demon said, you know, I, 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 I abhor vulgar use of, of of violence and you're like, Why would why would a demon not like that? Well because guess <laughs> what? Even even those evil spiritual people in, 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 in the netherworld, they want a little poetry to it. They want a little style to it. They just want to just, <laughs> you hit you hit them over the head with a hammer. They want something that you know that rings uh, you know kind of fun to them. And, it, and it's, it's the same way as being an editor of anything else. You already have the power to put people in publication and the front readers. And you already have that. Why do you need to now try to you know bend them your way or or, or, or turn them away because of something that is said that, you know, riled you the wrong way. I mean, part of what we should be writing is to is get people a little uncomfortable, get them a, a bit a, a upset, and, and maybe make them feel different than they should have felt before. Because otherwise, it's just another story about a family arguing in a car going down the road. And I say this a lot because I literally <laughs> got a couple of stories that way from people. I have to write them back. I'm one of the few editors that write back people and, and tell them why I didn't want to take the work. I literally had to tell this lady, and I don't want to break the woman's heart, but I'm like, listen, all that's happening in the story is that your family's arguing in a nice car that they like, and they're driving down the road. That's it. I go, yeah. that's not a bad start. Hey, it's probably not even a bad ending, but that's the whole damn story. I mean, even my looking at the waitress's butt story had more freaking content <laughs> than that. I mean, come on. <laughs> So you, you want to go a little bit beyond that, and I literally had to tell him that. I said, "Add something more to it. Do a twist. Do something. That's what you have to do, you know." But if you're gonna do something this safe, and, and, and this, I mean, I I hate to say boring to people because it just to me it's even offensive when somebody uses that word. But that's what I was thinking in my mind anyway. I said this, but I told a person this safe. I said this safe. It, it doesn't it doesn't ring anything. It don't even ring true. In fact, it, it's so it's so flat on the page that doesn't even ring fake it just just, just, just doesn't ring it's like geez do something huh? maybe maybe the car gets hit by an asteroid or you know uh, yeah now you're talking one of of bin laden's sons take revenge on your family i don't know something yeah
1: some kind of some something happening um yeah i mean there's yeah it it's Uh, I'm sure there's someone out there who can do the family in the car and and pull it off just exquisitely. I'm I'm sure it's possible, but uh, I'm not that person, and I I think it's going to be an extremely rare instance where that really works. Um, I I tell people all
0: the time, Steve, I say, listen, you're not doing this full time okay? It's a part-time job, so to speak, all right? You got a job, you got family, you got all kinds of other stuff you got to do in your life. So when you do sit down to do this an hour or two a day or three hours a week or whatever people decide to do, you should be committed to something that's going to be interesting, that's going to take your own attention so that you can start building on something. I mean, to sit there for an hour or two when you have all the stuff to do in your life and then read a story about a family in a car that's driving down the road (laughs) what the hell was the point of that for you let alone for me i mean that i don't get it yeah
1: yeah 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 it's um yeah there's got to be some zeal for uh, life there even if even if it's really um uh difficult upsetting stuff the the zeal has to be in it in in some degree um
0: I think I think sometimes people forget about uh, the heart or the spirit of, of of works and and they get too wrapped up in, in the structure or the word usage or, or maybe even just in, in in the content itself. And, and then they, they forget about, you know, it just still has to grab people's attention. It still has to mean something that they might be able to hang their hat on to. I mean, I've known people who wrote short poems that I still remember to this day because it's like – Damn, it's hard to get that out of your head because it was so damn yeah. good. I mean, that that's that's that means something when you could do that. You could publish something like that and go, holy moly, this 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 is pretty fantastic. I mean, it's heartbreaking and horrible in a way, but it also it's like, if I remember, that means you did something right, and and if the reader remembers, then you you've done something right. The family down the block, I mean, psh, we see that every day. What, what the hell's right about that?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of something my uh, best friend Kevin uh, once told me. He's a painter, and uh, I asked him once, you know, 20 years ago. I was like, what? How do I know uh, that that the art I'm seeing at an art museum is really good? Like, how how do I how do I? Because I'm not a painter, so like, what do I know? And he said, well, here's the thing to do: like, go through the entire museum and look at everything. Look at every painting there. Look at all the sculptures. And, you know, then get on with your day. You go home. You have dinner. Um, and then that evening, just sort of think back on, uh, on the museum and the, the works that come right to mind. Those were really good works. Um, those are ones that really, really definitely were worth your time at least. And uh, even if it's something where you're like, "What the hell was that?" Like even then, that reaction, there's something in your reaction to it that um, that that is worth something. So um, I've thought about that as I've gone forward with literature and stories and and you know, um, yeah.
0: Well, it's it's really a good analogy to what we're we're talking about, especially when you're concerning uh paintings because. I think people, they they view paintings the same way they they, they view drinking wine. They don't really understand what they're doing because they believe that they're supposed to be fitting their whole taste or viewpoint in in some kind of a damn formula. No, it's something that should be a personal experience. And if you make something a personal experience, you now can grab onto something and say, you know, that whole painting with the harbor, I mean, that's all nice and technically wonderful, but... You know, I'm falling asleep over here. I'd rather, look, I'd rather look at this other thing where the ballet dancer looks like she's about to fall down and, and embarrass herself in front of an audience. Something yeah, like that, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. And that's just my taster, though. Somebody else might say, I like the whole Harvard thing because it's a serene thing, and when I have a crappy day, I can look at that and feel better. It's also a valid response and a valid viewpoint.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we can get to the place, too, I think, where in this this analogy carries right over to the to the stories as well. I, I think we can get to a place where we can see a painting and know, you know, we're not we don't really like it. It's not our thing, but we can nevertheless recognize that it is great in its way um, that it, it's doing something, it's doing things that we recognize as, you know, maybe it's technically brilliant. Um, you know, there's something there where it's not our cup of tea, not my thing, but I get why those people like it. And I think maybe when, uh, when we're reading through a slush pile, which I've done before, um, you know, maybe a bit of that, Kind of lens would be really useful to be like, yeah. And you've you've just talked about it too with that poem and about the the communist mayor and all that. It's it's crossing the desk. It's crossing your desk, and you're like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah okay. But I, I can see that this is a great thing. This deserves to be published. Like this deserves a home. Let's let's do it.
0: Yeah, and, and I like I, liked, I liked being able to do that because it it allows the art. That's been created by people to now have a new, a new vehicle to, to be sent over to, to the readers. And it didn't have to you know, uh, go through 17 uh, Mark Anthony Rossi filters in you know, order to get to you. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I tell people all the time, I, I only reject three things. Things that like you know, violence against people uh, of an extreme extent, uh, graphic sex stuff. And, and bad writing, just just writing that's like absolutely <laughs> bad. I, that's it. Otherwise, yeah. I don't I don't have a big uh, rejection uh, you know palette over there. I like to accept more stuff than I reject, and thankfully I've had some months when I was able to do that. But sometimes you, you you can't, you know. But still, you know, compared to most magazines, I I think we probably accept at least half of what people send in.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, and I feel like the the web has opened things up. As well in, in some really good ways too. Um, I, one thing that drives me crazy, I don't know if this, uh, what are your thoughts on this? I've noticed over the years, um, that it's getting harder and harder to find publications that are going to accept anything much longer than 2,500 words. Um, maybe even 2,000 words. A lot of places are just like, anything above that, it's too much. Um,
0: It's been happening. It's been happening the last couple of years. I actually um, hit my ceiling at 3,000 because I was actually having to start turning away stuff that was like 2,500 to 2,000. I'm like, no, I like this story. But then I don't want to like screw up my own rules and and disobey them. So I just simply said, I'm going to alter this and then I can take it. And I left it at 3,000. I think it's a good number.
1: Yeah, it's just, yeah, some stories just can't be told in, in, well, they need to be told in whatever they need to be told in, you know? Um, It's a a funny thing. It used to be, stories could be 4,500 words, 5,000 words. Um, There were even some places that used to go up to 8,000 words. It's quite incredible. Um, But yeah, it's just, uh, it's funny because I thought with, uh, web publishing you know being a 21st century phenomenon I thought oh now things can be whatever length they need to be but no there's been this like, trimming back uh, on length that is just kind of like what the hell
0: one of the one of the big reasons for that is and that's always been a I, I think a, uh, like a almost like an urban legend well because I had people actually literally say this to me in emails well Mark you know isn't um your online journal technically infinite, so you could just take anything you know that we, we send in terms of the length? I'm like, yes, that is right on a digital basis, but on yeah. on a people's attention span basis, we happen to have a society that has a shorter attention span. You give people, I don't care how great the story is, <laughs> eight thousand words on a computer screen, they're gonna they're gonna fall asleep about after the first thousand because they expect something <laughs> to happen. You know, and that's that's the problem. Unless you're gonna give something that's gonna be breakneck speed from the beginning of that story to the end. You know, most stories that have that kind of length, that they're building up to something. Well, guess what? People don't like building up. That means slow to them. It's kind of like my kids. You know, dad, dad they're talking a lot. I go, well, he just shot like three people. I go, but it's not enough. I mean, really? That's, that's how the kids are. They're like, they're talking too much. Three three lines of dialogue. They're talking too much. So I think a lot of people are like that. So. I think a lot of uh, editors had to had to really take that into account because I noticed that as long as I keep it around three thousand on the fiction, I try to I try to keep the nonfiction a decent length as well, and in the in, in the poems to make them not – I don't have them too long as well. We're able to continue to grow every month or two. We 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 have like eleven thousand readers now from you know this four years now of doing this. It's great. Yeah, but, yeah, it's great. But we did that by. Again, not having graphic sex, not having, you know, just like everybody's blowing up the cities and thinking it's funny or, um, you know, uh, just bad writing in in general. As long as we can kind of keep to that and keep things to to where people can relatively digest them because that's really what it is. It's about, I I feel like, an emotional digestion. You're going to upset people's emotional stomachs with something too long. I agree. There's some probably great pieces out there that don't get to see the, the light of day, unfortunately. And especially on a print magazine I, I don't even think they can afford to take somebody that long you know yeah. you, they could probably yeah. fit in three or four writers and that means that if they take the 8000 word writer that they're, they're knocking out three other writers they can also get in there so they, yeah. have, they have some tough decisions to make too so I, I know it kind of sucks I tell people who really write long maybe you try to save it, save it for an andology or maybe just save it for your own particular collection one day where you know you can not only get that in there finally. And just just do the shorter ones out there and get credits that way and get some experience. But there's not there's not a perfect answer to that. But in the end, I don't really help all the other writers if I'm starting to bore the audience.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. They um. You have to make tough decisions,
0: unfortunately.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes that does make sense. That does make sense. And you know, there's I've seen it happen too, where short stories get their um their magazine version and then their collection version. And uh, the collection version is longer and the magazine version is just, uh, you know, paste for a quicker read. And uh, it just kind of like the, um, the way we've got the, with pop music, we've got the radio edit and then the LP version, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, and, and that's kind of an exciting phenomenon in itself too because the story then exists in two versions and you know uh those the differences between them uh become uh something else to think about it's kind of cool well one
0: of the one of the reasons this is going on is because the the culture of of literature and the audience has changed dramatically we now have a vehicle called flash fiction that can handle these shorter pieces and you can still get something important out of it where a short story is something a lot longer, it does take time. Sometimes it takes time just to introduce characters. Sometimes the, the plot line itself takes a while to go on. We just don't have the kind of patience we're used to, do that sort of thing. You know, if you remember, uh, and I don't know if you're a fan of that, that, the old show in the 70s, the Battlestar Galactica, you'll notice, oh, yeah. you'll notice that 45 minutes of the teleplays after those commercials... Packed a lot, and the reason why it packed a lot is because the show already started with robots are trying to kill people and blowing up stuff from from the first seconds. They oh, started yeah. that way. You will notice Edgar Allan Poe did the same thing. In a lot of his short stories, he already started off with things flying, but, but the minute he started talking about something, it was no long introduction, no long this and that. He was stuff was already going on, and and he really invented that sort of thing, and that's really. The perfect form, flash fiction, for that, because I think the new audience that we have or the, the modern audience, they simply adapt to that a lot better than, than, than simply the longer stories. For the good and for the bad, I mean, you could say a lot of things bad about that just as much as good. So I accept that. I'm not like somebody that's going to be defending flash fiction or, or, or <laughs> short stories over one or the other. I, I think yeah. they're both important forms, <laughs> but how they fit into the modern era now, well, that that's a different story
1: yeah absolutely absolutely well, and um the novel too, I mean you know um at the it's still this thing that keeps going that it is its own um, entity, its own genre, you know it's constantly reinventing itself um, yeah it's it's uh but it's a very different art form, isn't it
0: It is uh, but people have an expectation even a prejudice that, all right, I'm expecting this novel to be long. I'm expecting it to be slow. I'm expecting it to get to this and to get to that yeah. because I'm expecting it's going to take me a couple of weeks and each time I'm going to pick this up for an hour and then go and do this and do that and whatever. They're expecting a long engagement with that. So they don't give, yeah. the, they don't give the same criticism to a novel than they do to a short story or even a, a poem that's 100 lines. I heard someone tell me one time, it's 100 lines, man, I don't know if I can read that. Yeah, but you're reading reading War and Peace right now in in, in between. Thanks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do you you think? um, I've been wondering about this lately. The the whole rise in uh, streaming shows and the way a a series will have, you know, six episodes, 10 episodes, 12 episodes. It may even be a show that comes back season after season. Uh, Do you think that? I mean, because those are long stories, right? Yep. Um, Do you think that is affecting uh, the way people are reading at all?
0: Well, I I only think that it does is because those streaming and those short-term things you're talking about, they're they're not really that original. All they're really doing is digitalizing the graphic novel, and the graphic novel was simply a short fiction version of a novel. So that's really all they're doing is they're bringing out a graphic novel now into video life. And you can do that and get away with having a series that only has six episodes because it's already packed with so much stuff. And it's usually something of a of a genre nature or cartoon nature, superhero type nature thing where you could do that. You couldn't do that about a, a story of a family in six episodes. You couldn't even describe it. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if it was A Little House on a Prairie. You need more than that. But. On oh, those sort of things, you can because in many ways, they're not always three-dimensional figures.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. You don't really care. You don't care about Superman's grandmother. You just care if he's going to be yeah. able to shoot laser beams into the into the villain's crotch. You know? That's all you care about. You know? <laughs> so you don't really care about those kind of details. It's like, whatever. What is this planet he came from? I don't even know. I, I, I consider him an American at this point. Who cares? <laughs>
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. There's those. I've, there's two. There's also stuff like um.
0: And makes us. Oh, it makes heck. us not question a lot of stuff we would normally question. I you know, I laugh all the time with, my, yeah. with my, my my kids, and they they get a kick at this. I go, when I was growing up with Batman, no one questions why a rich man in leather would be hanging out in a cave with a teenage boy. No one questioned <laughs> that. It, it seemed like it was normal. Now we're like, what the n- heck?
1: <laughs> the different time, yeah, man.
0: Exactly. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested in the the idea of adaptations and um you know, I there was that um they had that uh uh Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman did the the uh Moriarty book Big Little Lies. They turned that book like into something I don't remember how many episodes it was. But it worked. It worked. Um and it worked in a way where, you know, the old, the old approach of, of uh, converting a novel into a, a two-hour movie n- never quite worked, you know, um, just because there's, there's not enough time. There's
0: not, no, <laughs> you, can't, you can't cover all the ground. That's, that's true. It's, it's the reason why the great majority of Stephen King's novels became crappy, crappy movies.
1: Yeah. Because
0: no one really tried to, to dive into what he was trying to say. But it's not just Hollywood's fault, too. I'm sorry to say that with with Stephen King, some of his books, I mean, they're, they're one notes. A dog tries to bite you to death, <laughs> and, and you and you hide in the car. That's the novel. I mean, You know what I mean? Uh, 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 an angry girl with, with telekinetic powers kills everybody who torments her. Yeah, it, it, she beats yeah. up her bullies. Okay, we got that. So we're not talking about things that are terribly original. Or, or, or even interesting, so they hard to make them interesting movies when the novels themselves aren't terribly interesting. It's when he got to um, a perfect example would be The Dead Zone. Here's a novel that oh, was yeah. interesting and original, and guess what? So was the movie. Thank God for David, yeah. David Cronenberg.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's just it's so um, yeah. There has to be nuance if it's gonna if it's going to land. Um, uh, in any kind of adaptation. I don't know of any... Do you know of any adaptations where the adaptation is actually better than the, the book, yeah. like film adaptation?
0: I, I I thought the Green Mile movie was better than, than the story. Oh, and, and okay, so, and so sure. And so was Short Segment Redemption. It was far better than, than the story. Oh, so, yeah. Both of those are okay. really good examples of taking Stephen King's work, trying to find a heart of it, and then build something interesting and better around it that he never got around to doing because... You know, you know, as a writer as well as I do, sometimes you 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 run out of road, or you know, you write yourself in the corner and you can't get out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. It, it happens.
0: Yeah, and you just like occupational and, and me, yeah, just like, hazard. Let me just end this thing before I lose my mind. Bye. <laughs> <You know? laughs> the, the purple yeah. the purple alien fell asleep in his backyard. The end. You know. <laughs> uh, that's all. I can't do any more, you know so that that's what that's what happens yeah but I, I think with with most adaptations, if they can't find something new to bring to the modern audience as well as take something that's important to that story that was classic and marry that together, then they're gonna they're gonna ultimately fail because either they're gonna be so faithful to the to the book that people are gonna like, like, I already read that already. who cares are you not telling me anything different?' You know? Oh yeah, right. Or or, or, yeah. or they're gonna go so far out, it's like, really? When did Shakespeare write about laser beams and and, and, <laughs> and elves in my in my in my anus, you know? It's like what the heck? So that that's you know, you can go farther in that other direction too. I mean yeah. uh, the Lord of the Rings movies is a perfect example of them taking a lot of liberties and still being faithful to the spirit of the book, because if you read The Lord of the Rings uh, women, other than you know drawing some water or giving you a sandwich, they weren't doing too much. <laughs> there was no heroes, <laughs> they weren't doing anything that important. you know they were like in the in the background somewhere, yeah, you heard about a queen, and okay, that was it. There was nothing going on there, you know none of those girls riding a horse and trying to save the elf's life and blah 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 no that that stuff didn't happen. So they brought that so that women can be part of that movie as well, and there was nothing wrong with doing that because it added i, I thought a lot a lot of quality to the to the story. The actress was wonderful. She took it serious, you know. Good looking as well, so that helps. And uh, <laughs> you know, and even with the crazy yeah. ears, you know, so yeah. you can do that yeah. as, as long as you're you're really being faithful to the book. You can you can definitely you can definitely do that. And I like when when they can do that because it, we should be able to get something. That, I mean, I really don't think that we should say. Uh, you know, um, no, don't change nothing. and It's crazy. You have to. You you can't put everything in there, and some things you do have to change. They did that with the Harry Potter books. Not every one of those books is the same thing as the movie. It's close, but not that close.
1: Yeah. 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 And there are different tensions at work. It's it's all... Um, they,
0: she moved the whole slavery thing. That was a big part of one of the books, and that wasn't even in the movie at all.
1: Oh, right. Yeah. 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 It's... um. Yeah, the the art of adaptation um, it's it, it's a thing. It's a thing. Do you um do you when you're writing do you uh th- think in cinematic terms at all or um you know do you does it play out like a movie in your imagination as, as you're working?
0: No, for me it's never been a a, a big part of my own creative process cuz my own creative process has always been about Taking down notes on something I want to write about, and then later on constructing with that notes and, and outline, and then a first draft, and going from there. So to me, it's always been about the emotional feel of what I'm trying to say and, and where I'm where I'm getting at. Because if I can't feel the emotional, you know, uh, spark from it all, then the, the imagery doesn't really matter. This is what happens a lot with poems that fail because they can have all these wonderful imagery, and then you're like, oh, okay, well, what the hell does that mean? i'm not saying that every poem has to have this grand meaning but i also saying that you know if if it's if it's so cryptic that nobody understands who wants to look at your work next time when they see your name and somebody else publishes you when they're like you know i didn't understand the last six poems you got published so why would i think number seven is going to do it for me
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well i think that emotional center is um yeah, I I can relate to that. I think it's a place out of which we can create something. Yeah, there's and, nothing wrong with something. there's
0: nothing wrong with using a cinematic approach, so don't get me wrong about that. I, I yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just never been my guiding thing on doing anything. I just I never I never yeah. I never liked it because to me as an artist it, it it put a lot of pressure on me about well, now I got to figure out how to construct on the patio all this imagery I just put into my head. It, to me, it's just another layer of stress. Where other people, that's how they go about things, and, and God bless them. I mean, that's, if you could do that, go ahead. I know some people that they write based on on um, musical rhythms that they hear in their head, and oh, i want to do it wow. this way. Yeah, I'm like, okay, great, go do that. But um, I, I mean, that's okay. I leave, I leave Jimmy Page to go do his other stuff, and I'll do this, okay? <laughs> but so I, I'm I'm happy with it with the, with the emotional um, direction that I need to go into a a piece, otherwise it doesn't work for me. And to me, that's always been the most honest way for myself anyway to go about it. It's just one way of many ways that people can go about creating. And that's one of the wonderful things about creativity is as long as you're not trying to be some evil arbiter, which is another word for editor these days, (laughs) (laughs) you can let people be who they're supposed to be rather than you telling them, you know, I like your face, but you need to wear a blue dress, not a red dress. I mean, it's it's just, yeah. it's, it's insulting.
1: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I that that all makes a lot of sense. It it uh, do you find the the emotional uh, whatever it is essence that becomes a story? Uh, does it arrive in different ways? As as you're just going about your life, um, how do you, how do, how do you know when you've got something that you're like ah like I'm gonna there's something here?
0: Well, I, I've over the years I've had to adapt to the new things that's happening in the world and technology and everything. Where I used to start off with yeah. a piece of paper and and a, like a post-it note like 35 years ago. Now I literally put notes onto my phone's notes area. And then from there yeah. I'll convert over to the computer and look at that and see if there's something there that can maybe draw an outline from. Is it going in the direction I want? You know, it, Can I stick with it? Do I abandon it? That sort of thing has been really helpful. So it's crazy yeah. as crazy as the, the, these smartphones are, where people call them these lifeless, uh, soulless devices, I, I've found a lot of uh, emotional um, happiness in and to be able to carry something around that I can always do something with, no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm working, and put something down there. Hey, it just came to me. We thought it in there, and and I, I've built a lot of work uh, going through that way. In fact, I would say, strangely enough, about ninety, at least ninety percent of the book that I, I've completed, my my, my my call my Germany book uh, about Cold War and mental illness and serving in intelligence, um, was written on the phone, completely on the phone. Literally. Not, wow. the, not just the notes, but the actual chapters themselves. And then later on I took that from the phone, put it on the computer, which is a bigger screen, and then do all the editing and all the minute changes and everything and t- yeah, to get it sure. where I want. But every, all the drafts and, and a great deal of the work was done on the phone. And I I've just felt comfortable that way doing it. And It worked that way so I've kept with it for, for years now. And then this is probably the first time I've ever written an entire book just on the, on the phone. But it's what I've, wow. what I've become comfortable with. And People – I actually did a show on this called um, uh, Rituals, writing – I think it was called Rituals of Writing. But everybody has these different rituals they they came up with, you know. Uh, Some people go take a shower and sing, and then it helps their brain to to be clearer so they can, like, write. (laughs) I mean, really. Some people go out while running for a couple miles. Some people listen to, like, instrumental music and sit down. You know, other folks like myself, I I work on notes. I – there's a lot of people out there that they believe that they need to start at a blank page. And I don't think it's a wrong way of going about things. But for me, I, I find it too stressful. I don't like looking at a black screen or a black page. When I go onto a screen, it's going to have something on already because I already got notes I'm putting on there already. And I can build from there. If I can't build from something, I can't build at all. That's just how I am. It's extremely rare for me to look at something blank and then suddenly build stuff. Very rare. I probably had like maybe one or two things in my entire life of reading of writing that came from that sort of experience. It has to have some, some root, some, something interesting, even if it's a catchy line, something that lets me stay interested. Cause if I can't stay interested, what, what the hell is the reader going to?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't know, I mean, just going about the day I, in my own um, writing process and everything, the phone has been very, very helpful too. Um, I I've got an email that I keep replying to to myself um, for a novel that I've been writing, and um, and it's just it's just you know it's like 134 emails I've sent to myself just about that, and it'll be like scraps bits that hit me if i'm hiking on a trail or if i'm uh, you know um at work or if I, you know whatever is going on and i'm not near uh paper or anything else or my computer um it's right there you can just bring that up and you know send yourself what you got what just came to you because it doesn't, it doesn't always happen on a schedule. I found. There,
0: yeah, there's creativity can't really be put on the schedule. I tell people, you want a schedule, go work for the post office. You want to, you want to be an artist. Well, guess what? Night and day, 24 hours, and whatever the hell else you can do is is now, you know, at your mercy, or maybe you're at its mercy. But nevertheless, you you have to have a, a wider a wider landscape than than that because there is no real formula, and there's, there really isn't no real practice other than. We talked about the rituals, about what certain people want to do. I mean, they do that mostly because it helps them um, avoid writer's block. It helps them avoid additional stress oh, sure. and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's great, you know. But other than other than that, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work. We're trying to figure out what you want to say and, and and how you you want to say it. And 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 that in itself is a very very personal thing. That's why I, I tell uh, writers all, all the time. You have to be you, and oftentimes it's hard to be a good writer if you don't really have a decent understanding of who you are. I mean, how are you supposed to tell the world about something? I don't know who the hell I am. <laughs> Every Everyone of my relationships have went out in flames, but I'm going to go over here and preach tell you something about something important in, in this 3,000-word in this essay. I mean, I ask people to, to try to keep that in mind when, you, when you're doing that because you'll see how, how idiotic that is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, why why would we want to do anything, write anything that somebody else could write? Like it, it should be something that it is only going to come out of us well, individually. Part
0: of the reason was because the the publishing industry pushes people that way. Do you know, how many times yeah. editors, you know how many times these agents have told me, Mark, if this was only a little bit like this novel, we could have actually did something. Really? So I got to be some other guy on something that has nothing to do with mental illness or the military by that way. And somehow I gotta like craft all that into this book, and then that's gonna be great. I go then I'll lose who I am and what I'm trying to say so I can get something published that I don't even recognize anymore what, yeah what the hell is that yeah. that's like that's like being in a marriage and you're somebody else if you can't yeah. if you can't be who you are in that kind of relationship you you're freaking doomed on anything else
1: yeah yeah absolutely um absolutely you lo- i mean that's soul loss.
0: You know, it, um, it is. But we see that in musical all the time. I'm sure this happens all the time. Yeah. Listen, man, if you could be like Millie Vanilli without the fakeness <laughs> and just do a little spin, <laughs> we could we could we could go make millions. I mean, that's what they tell you.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Don't sign me up for that. But yeah. that's that's part of what is exciting about um, small presses popping up and, you know, um, magazines and journals online and, and all of that. Um, you know, there is, a, there is a way now to put it out, and, uh, and thank goodness for that.
0: I'm all for the variation on a the theme. It's part of what creativity is all about. We've got centuries and centuries of that precedent, so I'm not like, against that but they're not really talking about variation in the theme. They're really talking about, yeah. we want the next Harry Potter, okay? But just make sure that he's green and he's gay and he shoots, like, laser beams out of his butt, okay? <laughs> and, and then maybe we could do something with you. I mean, because that's really what they want. They, they want a, a slight ripoff of whatever else was successful.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, many of these people have uh... – no strong understanding of stories anyway um, they've reduced it all to algorithms
0: and business yeah
1: and business yeah and that's not what stories are um they just are not that uh, not not exciting healthy vibrant uh stories anyway um yeah there is a there is a, a, a cookie cutter machine out there that that will put you to work if uh, if you're willing to sign up to it. But uh, no, nah, I'm not.
0: I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm not either because I can't in that kind of environment be who I am. I now have to yeah. be somebody else just to get a paycheck and and smile with people who I only want them to admire me because I hate what I just wrote. I mean, I don't want to yeah. be. In that, I don't want to be in that situation. It's just beyond fake. It's just idiotic. So I yeah. keep I keep doing my do. I know there's a lot of good small presses out there. There's a lot of things that are still happening and not just in America anymore. Internationally more things are growing. Indians becoming yeah. a big place for publishing these days. There's a lot of yeah. still a lot of things happening and you're gonna see a lot of changes eventually where there are gonna be books out there that people would never have thought that could be out will be out and then it's gonna change the way a lot of publishers do things because they're gonna say, Wow, that can actually be successful You know. I remember for the longest time that Hollywood and and don't get me wrong I'm not a raging religious person but I wouldn't mind seeing a religious movie now and then that has some kind of a theme in that I think that'd be heck of an interesting thing cuz we don't see a lot of yeah. it and then yeah and then you 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 see like um you know Last Temptation of Christ or or oh, you see the Passover with Mel Gibson did, and you see a couple other. I think they had one book where this guy, you know, he uh, he had a miracle after he got almost injured or killed in in a, in a fire like accident or something. But movies like that, that a little bit more inspirational, a little bit more interesting, and and don't have all the same tropes that we see all the time. You know, the good cop bad cop routine, or you know, the, ang- oh, yeah. the angry black guy, or. You know, the, the gay guy who's a genius at interior decorating. Because, you know, none of these are stereotypes, you know. But I, I keep seeing them all the time, although, you know. God almighty. So, I mean, it's nice to see something different. And so I really think that when they do that, sometimes those movies wind up doing well. And, and even if they only have a particular market, as long as they're making their, their money and more, there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I like the idea of, of that sort of stuff. And I really think seeing more of that, you know, rather than, than less – it gives people a, a better chance of, of, of having a more broader experience other than everything now just, you know, being distilled down to whatever of the seven Marvel comic movies that came out this year, you know, <laughs> two two romantic comedies yeah. and a robot movie. That's, that's about what we got, you know? Yeah. And, and yeah. I got nothing against Marvel. I, I go see those things with my kids and I have as much as fun as well, but I don't mind seeing something that had talked about J. A. R. R. Tolkien's life or a movie about that or a movie about yeah. a movie about when they did John Nash and The Beautiful Mind where talking about a man who, who became mentally ill but was also a genius and mathematician and still won the Nobel Prize and all the stuff he went through and all of that. I mean, I, I, it wasn't for Russell Crowe. They probably would never made that movie because it's like on the paper. I could just see somebody now in the studio. Let me get this straight here. Um, this white guy's a genius and he goes crazy. And then he wins a Nobel Prize, and, and he sees the delusions. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, okay, we can make him over with that. Yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. They, they would have asked, but does he disintegrate a city with his mind?
1: Right, yeah, he, that's got – where's that? Yeah. D-
0: does he contact aliens from Pluto? No,
1: no. So. Yeah, the variety. Give us some variety. So, stop! Uh, stop giving us the the tropes that have all been shuffled around with the algorithm,
0: so please. Oh, that's the whole business model, and some of that business is legitimately should be there. I don't have a problem with that. Sequel this, sequel that, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not for one to say kill the comic movies, kill the sequels. I'm not. I'm just saying, how about we use some of the revenue from them, that stuff, to, to promote some of these independent films? How about you guys, as a studio, yeah. have have some kind of a If not quota, at least some kind of sensitivity to creating a couple of cool art house movies that people wouldn't mind seeing either. They'd be shocked at how well they did if they just did that. If they just did that, I'd be happy, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it used to be, you know, this this sort of thing has been happening in writing for quite a while now because I remember, uh, I don't know, it may have been around 20 years ago, something like that, Philip Roth. Giving back a large advance he got on a book to his publisher because they'd announced that they were not the next year they were not going to be publishing any debut novels at all,
0: Hmm.
1: and uh, he was like, "Screw you! Uh, You know, like we we need you need to publish debut novels because this whole practice of an American literature needs that—that's how it keeps going." Yeah, and he actually sent his money back. So he he um, had some principles there. Um, yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, um, not that that changed anything. It didn't.
0: <laughs> so. I hear you. All right, Steve. I'm definitely hoping to have you back on the future if you're willing to come on. I'd love to have you on, yeah. on again. Uh, I, I really appreciate Thank you. you being here. It's a wonderful evening with you. Uh, you to too sg folks uh or steve like the inside people like to call him <laughs> <laughs> that's right like his mom <laughs> or me you know other people <laughs> but I, I really enjoyed having you on and folks don't forget to, to continue to staying with us uh, and um, strength to be human here our interview series continues no matter how difficult it is we always manage to get wonderful interesting people and and I don't I don't say this to distract my own standalone episodes, but sometimes I get the best mail from the interviews when people just being interested with that rather than just me gabbing on for an hour. So that's that's great too as well, and I like that. It really you know because somebody told me a long time ago, well if you keep complaining about this, don't do interviews. I'm like no, I'm gonna complain about it because first of all it's true, second of all I'm Italian, and third of all, <laughs> and and it has an entertaining value, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I I, st- I stick with it. I'm not going to get rid of it just because it's difficult. I mean, sometimes the best things happen because they are difficult, and that's what these things are. They can mm-hmm. be difficult, but they're always rewarding, and I'm always happy to do them. So thank you very much for joining us this evening, folks out there. Uh, we got some more wonderful shows coming up here in in October including, I know it's probably not the most popular thing to talk about right now, but we're going to do a couple of shows on Russian literature. I don't care about Putin. I know he's killing Ukraine, but this is Russian literature we're talking about. It had nothing to do with any of that, so keep that hate mail to yourself, okay? All right? Check off with a never-invaded Ukraine. Don't forget that, all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. God bless and good night. Steve, thank you very much again. Thank you. Take care.